Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. In the United States, it's freedom of speech. In Canada, it's freedom of expression. Well, almost. Because we do not have the same kind of freedom of speech or freedom of expression that Americans have. In the United States, say whatever you wish, whatever you wish, and it's okay. You are, maybe not be okay, but you're protected under their constitution. In Canada, not so much. We do have freedom of expression constitutionally enshrined. But when I read uh, David David Butt's uh, op-ed piece in the Globe and Mail in January of 2015, um, David writes in part, the Canadian hate law still clearly curtails free expression But the Supreme Court has not struck it down. Why? Four main reasons. First, our Constitution protects not only free expression, but multiculturalism and equality as well. So to read the Constitution holistically, we cannot permit one protected freedom to undermine other rights and freedoms enjoying equal status. So, David, it's great to have you back on the show. Always good to speak with you. Criminal lawyer in Toronto. And you point out in, in, the, in the op-ed piece that really when people talk about freedom of expression, it's normally limited to university professors, and it's a dry conversation that would cause most people to tune out. But not so much these days. Freedom of expression, freedom of speech, hugely important, loudly debated, and people are taking sides. So... Give us a bit of a, of a background, or I took what, what I read here out of context from your op-ed piece. But let's start at the beginning, what, what freedom of expression in, in, in Canada is, how it's constitutionally permitted, but where the limitations start. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, generally speaking, uh, almost any kind of expression is, um, is permitted. And you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. You can be offended by it, and it's still protected in Canada. There is a narrow category of speech that will be regulated. For example, uh, obviously the libel and slander laws are still in existence. So you can't, you know, say something maliciously false that destroys someone's reputation. Uh, and that, that has to do with again respecting the boundaries of a different person. It's sort of the verbal equivalent of saying. You can swing your fist wherever you want, but you can't swing it where it hits someone else's face. So uh, you, you can talk, and if it comes to libeling or slandering someone, that crosses a line. Another line, which the Supreme Court has drawn, that's what I've addressed in my op-ed piece, 
is what is called hate speech. So it's the deliberate, the willful promotion of hatred against an identifiable group. And uh, the Supreme Court has said that that, too, can be regulated, although there's a lot of uh, hoops you have to jump through before the government can suppress that kind of speech. So we have very broad freedom, but with some important uh, limitations. Okay, now the second paragraph in your op-ed piece uh, reads this way. The discussion in Canada on freedom of expression so far fails to address the unique Canadian approach to freedom of expression and thus fails to ask a crucial Canadian question. Does freedom of expression, as legally defined in Canada, provide the right tools for expressing challenges in a fragmented and largely angry 21st century social media world? And I find that to be particularly relevant. We, 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 we love to say that we have the right to say whatever we wish whenever we, whenever we wish. But we are colliding with, as you point out, increasingly angry, frustrated, polarized points of view. And that's when freedom of expression starts to cross over, and we've all seen it on, on social media, crosses over into what the Supreme Court would probably say, you're either crossing the line or you're very close to it. So yeah. do, we, do we have true freedom of, of speech in this country? I know you said there's, a, there's an acid test and it has to be met and all the points have to be met. We can talk about that before you can be charged. Yeah. But is, maybe I should ask you this way. Is our freedom of expression uh, being challenged? Are we, are we finding parameters narrowed when it comes to freedom of, of expression. And I think of George, Dr. Jordan Peterson of the University of Toronto, who will be a guest on this show uh, tomorrow and was with us last weekend, who was vilified by, by many, uh, considered to be a hero defending freedom of speech by others. Yes. And uh, I, I think those are, are really important debates, and, and uh, from my perspective at least, they have to be able to unfold fully. In other words, people can't be curtailed in, in what they say on one side or another of important issues like that. It's also important to remember uh, that what the Constitution addresses is government suppression of speech. So if university students think that a professor should do X and the professor thinks that he or she should do Y, uh, there's no government involvement there. Uh, so the uh, Constitution actually doesn't play much of a role because it's, it's about limiting the government's power to charge someone for hate speech and so on. And where we get some of these more intense debates are in the non-governmental sphere. So, you know, we can talk about, for example, gender-neutral pronouns uh, and vigorous debate on whether people should or should not be using them and so on. But what's really important to keep in mind is that there's no government, no provincial government, no federal government, no municipal government is stepping in and saying you either have to or, or shouldn't. Uh, use gender-neutral pronouns. If they did, that would be a very serious violation of uh, freedom of expression. So that is managed by the parties involved? Yes, yeah. There are, you know, as, as I like to say, there are many speech communities. So we have a national speech community, and there are national laws that limit freedom of expression, but only to the very limited extent, for example, of hate speech or libel and slander. But there can be smaller speech communities. So what is appropriate to say inside your own home? Uh, you know, can you drop the F-bomb in your own home? You know, people debate that vigorously. Can you drop the F-bomb in class? Again, people debate that vigorously. 
can you drop the F-bomb on campus? So these are all different speech communities. And to a certain extent, each one of those speech communities has to work out their own rules of how they will talk to each other. Why have people started to become careful about what they say? And I'm not talking about people who are going to say something that's clearly and obviously uh, to, intended to be hateful towards someone else. But people are, are cautious because they feel that they may be politically incorrect. They feel they're like they're stepping over a line. They don't want to be, they don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be challenged. And, and, and my, my experience is that people will sometimes challenge something I say on the air. And I know very well that I'm well within my rights, well within the law. I'm not, I'm not violating anybody's uh, 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 constitutional rights by what I say, but the feeling is you must be because I disagree with you, and so I want you not only to control what you think, but I want you to control what you say. Right. And it and goes beyond just Roy Green or David Butt. It, it, that, I think that affects many people across this country. We, we police what we think, and then we secondarily, and perhaps more concerningly, police what we say. Right, and and you know uh, my own thinking, and as you know, as as you've said, I I do some writing for the Globe and and uh, speak on on media, and I get reaction from that, and and you know uh, to some extent I'm like you, Roy. When uh, people don't like what I what I say, they tend to say, "Well, I should just shut up," uh, and that misses the point. Um, you know, as as you well know, the important role that you play too. Uh, Fostering debate about important issues is in itself a good thing. So the fact of disagreement is actually a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Too many people get challenged by the fact that there's disagreement out there. Disagreement's actually a good thing. As you work through issues and see different points of view, everybody benefits. So saying things that are disagreeable to others actually is not a bad thing. If yeah. it gets hateful, sure, that crosses the line. But I think we all have to be... Uh, aware of the value of disagreement itself and not be afraid of it and not try to shut it down. One of the things that I've said to people periodically, and it upsets them when I say it, but I think there's there's merit in what I say. When someone is attacked for what they're saying, it generally means that the person who's doing the attacking doesn't know enough about the subject to be able to debate it. Well, that that's right. And, and uh, uh, I, I often uh, will share that view, depending on the nature of, the, of what the person says. Uh, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. Address the message. And if you have some valid uh, criticisms of the message, you know, let's listen to them and let's hash those out because that's really important. But if all you're doing is shooting the messenger, you're frankly not contributing to a very productive debate at all. Uh, I want to ask you about this when we come back. Uh, will you write this in the uh, in the column? And I'm jumping around. In, in the op-ed piece, it's, uh, the title is Canada's Law on hate, hate Speech is the Embodiment of Compromise. Canada's Law on Hate Speech is the Embodiment of Compromise by David Butt in the Globe and Mail on the 19th of January, 2015. Uh, the courts have said that even if a hate speech prohibition is never used, it has symbolic value. I'm going to talk to David Butt about that. When we come back on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. Follow me there and uh, tweet me your thoughts. We'll get some of them on the air. And I will tweet you what I'm thinking from time to time. There are, I guess there are, there are paths, or at least we have, there are boundaries we can cross when we tweet. Hey, David, on, on oh, freedom of expression. Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, what the courts have said very clearly is that uh, all kinds of public expression like that on social media, traditional media, uh, can be uh, published expression that that can lead to uh, difficulties if it does cross legal lines. All right. Now, in the column, in the first paragraph, you write. Let me just let me just read it the paragraph because it's I have to have the context here. Freedom of expression in Canada normally is a dry legal concept, sporadically explored by law professors in dense papers and taken for granted by everyone else. Until now, if freedom of expression got any attention at all, it was fleeting and superficial, like a bumper sticker on a passing car. The terrorist attacks in France and their aftermath changed all that, giving freedom of expression an extended tenure in the limelight and popular consciousness. So the terrorist attacks in France um, made made the difference. Now, they were predicated, at least the, the terrorists argued, that they were predicated on Charlie Hebdo's cartoons. Uh, if this were Canada, how would that scenario have played it out? Not as far as a terrorist attack is concerned, but how would the courts have decided about those Charlie Hebdo or Charlie Hebdo cartoons? Yeah, certainly it's controversial. And, and uh, you know, I'm not saying anything about the content, which, you know, depending on your religious affiliations, you may or may not find more or less offensive. But just strictly from a legal perspective, uh, my own view is that those those cartoons would not have been problematic legally here in Canada. Uh, the, um, you know, a, a satirical cartoon is making a point about politics. Uh, a satirical cartoon also has artistic aspects to it. And what our courts have said is when you're talking about something as important as politics in a democratic state, and when you're engaged in artistic expression, the boundaries are are broader. And we have to be very careful before we start curtailing either political or artistic expression. So, therefore, the Charlie Hebdo cartoons, even though they would be offensive to many, would not be illegal in Canada. Gets a little complicated. Yes, it does. To understand. Uh, yes, yes. And, and there's, there's so many different ways of expressing yourself. Oh. And depending on what you're saying, uh, the courts will be more or less tolerant of it. For example, uh, I, again, to use the, 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 the notion of a, of a common swear word, uh, you know, nobody's going to be prosecuted for hate crime for using a common swear word, but you sure can't say it on the radio. So depending on the context and what's going on, speech may be more or less tolerable. So you uh, you wrote this, and so now, of course, I'm looking for the, or right, here it is, the line. The courts have said that even if a hate speech pub- prohibition is never used, it has symbolic value. Yes. And uh, the, the court said that in a case in which uh, the person prosecuted was um, uh, disseminating anti-Semitic, sort of Nazi kind of propaganda. And uh, th- what the court said is, is we have learned historically, you know, coming through the, uh, 
you know, the, the terrible 1930s and 40s uh, in Europe, that uh, if we don't take steps to regulate how civilly we treat each other, including how we talk to each other, extremes can, can unfold, as, as did in you know, mid-20th century in Germany. Mm-hmm. And so sending that message, the symbolic value of hate speech, is that, no, we're not going to go down that road again. And even if they never use it, that message is out there because it's embodied in our laws. So there can be some really important symbolic value about tolerance and inclusiveness uh, in uh, Canada as framed by our laws. Um, David, can you give me an example or give us an example of, uh, of, of a, I'm trying to think of a, of a sentence or an expression that would not be hate speech unless you add one or two words. And maybe that not be, may not be fair to ask you that. Uh, what I was thinking was you, you could say to someone and be within the bounds of the law or freedom of expression and not violate the hate speech aspect. If I were to say so-and-so, so-and-so, it's an absolute blankety-blank, blinkety-blink blump, and that's okay. But if I say so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so is an absolute blinkety-blink, blankety-blump, blump-blump, and then add uh, a, a cultural, an ethnic, a religious component in my attack and insult, that's when I've crossed the line. Is that, is that, uh, is that yes. correct? Yes, yeah. The, uh, the law is directed at the willful promotion of hatred of identifiable groups. So whether those would be groups defined by gender, uh, so hatred of, of women as a, as a group, uh, particular religions, whether it be Jewish people or Muslim people or Christian people, or uh, the, the law is really focused on generating discriminatory hatred against people uh, of an identifiable group. So if you're just venting about, you know, my next-door neighbor is a so-and-so, mm-hmm. you're not engaged... How do you know my next-door neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand. I get it. David, it's always great speaking with you. Thank, thank you so much. Freedom of expression, freedom of speech in the United States, freedom of expression here, differently applied but fundamentally the same idea. Thanks, David. My pleasure. Take care. David Butt, criminal lawyer in Toronto. And uh, Canada's law on hate speech is the embodiment of compromise, is the column, it's, or the op-ed piece. It's a good read. It really is a good read. And tomorrow we will talk again with uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson about the issue of freedom of expression, freedom of speech. When we come back, it's Catherine and Linda and Michelle and Beauties and the Beast. Stay with us.